Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Let's talk money. The unveiling of the Singapore budget for 2024. Keep it right here on Money FM. We'll have comprehensive coverage for you. Uh, a budget that is widely expected to help us all cope with rising costs of living. That's what I'm going to be focused on in my budget discussion, along with Ryan Huang. That happens next week, Ryan. Yeah, that's right. Next Wednesday, if you're in the area at Raffles Place, it's at UOB Plaza Atrium, happening from 1 to 2 p.m. And we'll have Minister Indrani Raja, Second Minister for Finance and National Development, alongside us as well as other experts to talk about what's important to you, what are some of the measures you need to know, and what's in store in future. Come join us, an economist, a sociologist, a minister, and uh, two voices you hear in the morning, hopefully, all the time. Yep, if you've got any questions, come up to say hi. You know, we are going to be around there next Wednesday. Of course, the coverage continues throughout the entire week in all the shows on the station. Absolutely. All right, let's take a look at Asia-Pacific markets. Now, helicopter view, they're trading higher this morning on the back of an overnight rally on Wall Street. Tokyo and Sydney up 1%. Seoul is up one-third of a percent. Ryan, let's start this morning with corporate earnings and a look at three companies from pretty different industries. I'll tell you, I have a friend who's going on holiday. They were thinking about staying here in Singapore, possibly in a service apartment. They might try their luck in Macau's casinos. Either way, they're big fans of Thai beer. True story, this one. So which stocks do you think they'll choose to cover today? Well, we have them all covered for them. Our three stocks in focus, Far East Hospitality Trust, Bev, and MGM. Far East Hospitality Trust has a portfolio of nine hotels, three service residences here in Singapore as well. Bev makes tasty chung beer and MGM operates casinos over in Macau. Let's start with Far East Hospitality Trust. Its revenue jumped 25% during the second half of the Year, and it will be paying out significantly high distributions as well. So what is driving Far East Hospitality Trust's earnings, Ryan? Yeah, higher DPS of around 25.4%. And this is thanks to higher revenue contributions across all business segments, particularly the hotel segment, where we saw growth of 36.5% to $41 million. Another worthy data point is the RevPAR or Revenue Per Available Room. That rose nearly 20% to $140. And that kind of paints a picture that demand is supporting these prices to go up. And average occupancy rose 2.6 percentage points to 81.7%. So all in, you've got demand pushing up the revenue and perhaps even more to come if you look at some of the expectations outlined by DPS Group Research. They are saying because of the recent rebranding and refurbishment works, once that's done with and released into the market, it will allow them to command even higher rates. So more good news perhaps. Mm, DBS Group Research expecting valuation gains, saying that arguments well supported by FEHT's underlying cash flow with further upside expected. Uh, yeah, concentrated within the hotel segment. Think about everybody traveling. Far East uh, Hospitality Trust shares have been trending lower. They are down 4.5% since the start of the year. Perhaps news of those high distributions will give Far East Hospitality Trust earnings a boost. Next up, let's look at Thai Bev, whose sales are down. 
Apparently, consumers are buying less of Taibev's beer, but Taibev's earnings are up. How does that work? Yeah, it's a bit of a reflection of how they've managed to become more efficient to manage their bottom line, managing the costs especially. So let's take a look at the numbers here. Time Bev, you've got EBITDA up 1.9%. And this is despite sales slumping. So let's take a look at how much it slumped and that's down 14%. And this is on the back of sales volume dropping around 15% with a weaker-than-expected recovery in Thailand and Vietnam. But the good news is a couple of things are going in favour for Thai Bath. That includes the costs for raw materials and packaging going down, plus what they call prudent cost management. So Thai Bev, credit cost management for, um, it credits its cost management really for its increase in earnings. Thai Bev rose 1% yesterday. They are down 25% over the past 12 months. And on the topic of beer, Heineken is predicting single-digit growth for the year ahead. Our third stock in focus is the casino operator MGM Resorts, which netted nearly $4 billion US dollars in the past fiscal year. That is more than 20% higher than a year earlier. Where is MGM's growth coming from? Yeah, that familiar place people are looking forward to, China. So mm. the China travel rebound is appearing to do its work for the likes of MGM. So they are citing the travel rebound in China and Macau becoming a tailwind for casino operators like MGM and Wynn Resorts. So this comes as, of course, the restrictions get lifted from China and people get more confident to go abroad. But not 100% yet, so maybe brighter days ahead. So good news for MGM, at least for its fourth quarter. And the numbers uh, reflect that MGM's China unit is reporting record full and fourth quarter numbers, full year numbers. Big events like the inaugural F1 Las Vegas Grand Prix have also fueled its profits. If we take a step back, what is your biggest takeaway when you look at this morning's corporate earnings, Ryan? Yeah, it is interesting to see that China is being cited as a bit of a bright spot and that came through for the casinos. And then you also have travel coming through for Far East Hospitality Trust with the travel crowd propping up the demand for these rooms. So that China story does look like we might see brighter days ahead. And then for Thai Bath, you've got a bit of a easing of, I suppose, inflationary pressures. That's good news for, I suppose, other companies going through some tougher times. Those cost pressures may be coming down. So like Taibev outlined, despite revenue dropping, it managed to improve on its cost management, which helped to offset some of those um, drop in prices or drop in sales. Let's turn next to Singapore's largest neighbour, Indonesia, where presidential elections were held yesterday. Defence Minister Prabowo Subianto appears to be the victor and he has declared victory, but his opponents are telling supporters to wait for the official results. Indonesia's election rules dictate that the winner must secure 20% of the votes in more than half of Indonesia's province as well as more than half of the votes overall. Whoever wins the elections will preside over a trillion-dollar economy. What do we know about Prabowo? Yeah, so he is actually quite a familiar name in the space of politics. If you've been following what happens in Indonesia. He is right now the defence minister and he is partnered with the son of the current president, Jokowi. So his um, son, Gibran, is his running mate. So combined, you've got two household names of sorts and they've commanded 
quite a bit of a lead. And going by some polls, they are set to get about 60%. So that kind of gets a majority they need to pretty much not need a runoff in the next uh, June cycle if we don't get a majority. So that's good news for Prabowo if this comes to pass. So the other part about the equation is how he's managed to make over his image. So if you've been following his career in the past few years, past few decades actually, he's actually been trying to become president for the past few decades. And he, in the past round, actually lost to the current president, Jokowi. And now his son is part of his team. So it's a bit of a change of, I suppose, tactics or strategy for him. And previously, he was known more as a hard stance guy, a military guy. But now in his campaign approach, he's become more approachable, more personable. He's painted himself as a bit of a chubby, cute guy. Um, the Indonesian word for it is gamoy. And then he dances on TikTok. So it's a big change. And I suppose it works because a lot of voters these days are very young and go to TikTok for their information around news and politics. So he has done his homework, perhaps his experience has come into play, and he has got enough support to become the next president, potentially. Yeah, the 72-year-old former ex-general, just what we want to see on TikTok, right? I mean, he knows how to play into the psyche of uh, young voters. Prabowo is the preferred candidate of outgoing Indonesian President Joko Widodo. He's also the former son-in-law of Indonesia's late ruler Suharto. Prabowo is expected to continue Jokowi's business-friendly economic policies. Indonesia's stock markets were closed yesterday for the elections. Has there been any market reaction when you look at the rupiah? Yeah, so one more point about Prabowo is he was actually banned from entering the US for two decades because of alleged human rights abuses until Jokowi came into power and then gave him a bit of a pardon on that front. So that was what played out for him, so a bit of a makeover. But like you pointed out, he is likely now to continue with the policies that Jokowi has put into place, which is what the market likes. Certainty about what's coming up, and that's good news for the economy, and then of course for the rupiah. So looking at what we have right now for the rupiah, Mm. it does look like it is starting to show some it says, I guess, cheer around the latest poll results is up around 0.1% against the uh, US dollar. So I guess good news for now as we get some level of certainty about what's to come. Slight tick up there for the rupiah. Some of the headlines about Prabowo's apparent win have been less than flattering, focusing on his links to human rights abuses during his time as a general. But the markets are expected to focus on the promise of continuity and Indonesia's growth as an important part of the global resource supply chain. I'm going to turn to the US now, where markets rallied overnight after an inflation-driven sell-off on Tuesday. The Nasdaq climbed 1.3%, the S&P 500 rose 1%, and the Dow finished higher as well. Time for corporate news, and let's do it NVIDIA style, at least NVIDIA to start with. All right, up or down? Uh, What do you think? All right, we've got NVIDIA as an up because they are going up in terms of the ranking. And that is the ranking of the biggest companies in the world. So by market cap, it has now surpassed Google parent Alphabet. And Alphabet 
if you just soak it in, is already a pretty huge company. So NVIDIA's latest stock movement, up over 2%, has given it a market value of $1.83 trillion, just edging out Google's $1.82 trillion market cap. So as you can imagine, all things AI just driving NVIDIA's gains. Indeed, it is that investor enthusiasm about artificial intelligence continuing to drive the buying of NVIDIA shares. NVIDIA has now surpassed Google's parent company, Alphabet. It is the third largest listed company in the U.S., NVIDIA with a market cap of 1.8 trillion US dollars. That is an up for NVIDIA in my book. Let's look at Uber. All right, talking about buying shares, Uber is buying its own shares up to $7 billion worth. So it's the first share buyback program they've announced since becoming profitable. And it's, uh, I suppose, a good milestone of sorts. First, they became profitable. And of course, Uber, as you've been following, has been going through some tough times. Now they've overcome that. And now they've got enough cash fee flow or free cash flow to buy out more shares. So this comes off the back of his first profitable year. And we are looking at his most recent results announced last week. Income came through at $652 million. That's up from seven hundred that's up by seven hundred and ninety-four million. So a good quarter and a good year for investors. Uber jumped nearly fifteen percent overnight on news of this big share buyback program. Uber's board has given the go-ahead for up to seven billion dollars of share purchases. That's an up. On the downside though, Uber drivers were planning a Valentine's Day strike to call for better working conditions and higher pay. All right, let's turn the page. Let's look at Cisco Systems. All right, Cisco is a down. And that's because, like many other tech companies, it is laying off people. So more than 4,000 jobs are affected. And this is all in the name of restructuring its business to focus more on software and AI. So 5% of its global workforce as it also lowers its annual revenue target. So a bit of a tough backdrop for Cisco to navigate right now. Going to be a tough 2024 for that 5% of Cisco's workforce that uh, will be retrenched. That's some 4,200 employees. That's a down for Cisco in my book. Let's look at ABN Emerald finally. All right, ABN Emerald Bank is an up for me because they've unveiled a fresh share buyback and the Dutch state is also taking part. So you've got a repurchase of 500 million euros. That is about 722 million sing dollars worth of stock. And this comes as net income rose 54% to 545 million euros. So this is good news, uh, but it is forecasting that costs could go up higher than forecast in the fourth quarter. So that's one to watch. Um, This came through with more staff being added for tech and regulation. So Good news on the front for shareholders. Share buybacks typically favor the share price. ABN Amro will purchase 500 million euros worth of its own shares as the investment bank is reporting higher profits. 
All right. Our last word today belongs to a space startup. Yes, they're called Varda, and they're looking to manufacture a whole bunch of things in space. Fiber optic cables, pharmaceuticals, semiconductors. Varda launched a space capsule eight months ago, however, but that's been stuck in space. It's awaiting regulatory approval to come back down to Earth. It'll finally head home soon. What do you think about manufacturing in space? Yeah, the allure of (laughs) making stuff in space is lucrative apparently because the weightlessness environment is an advantage for making some stuff like fiber optic cables, some drugs, semiconductors. So all that actually is beneficial when you look at a environment like space where Vada is trying to, I suppose, get a slice of the action, making stuff, creating factories in space, and now it's got an approval to take a step further. So one day, more stuff can be made in space and interesting. Very interesting, very strange as well, because you have to create the environment that's um, not inhospitable to humans being up there, presuming you need humans up there, right? Uh, You have to provide the real estate, the utilities, the power, the communications, my goodness me. Uh, Varda hopes to take manufacturing in space, though, to the next level by launching and returning space-made products back to Earth more quickly. Think of the transport costs as well. Yeah, I was thinking, <laughs> how do they get the power from solar energy? Where is it going to come Possibly from? Possibly that would mean free. So I, I suppose you save on costs. Yeah, um, I would love to work in space one day. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> join you there. I'd like that too. Assuming it's clean up in space. I mean, how do you how do you ensure that well, you, you know eat it's in clean? space? Uh, Singaporean nature coming through there Can you eat in space? All right. well thank you so much Ryan Have a great day ahead You too Michelle Before acting on the information on MoneyFM Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives Financial situation and risk tolerance To listen to more great interviews Download our podcasts at audio.sg Or download the audio app That's A-W-E-D-I-O Audio at the App Store and Google Play